Hello, welcome and selamat malam. Welcome to Econite's late talk show, Sembang Alam. I'm Akil, your guest host today. For those of you just tuning in for the first time tonight, Sembang Alam is a talk show where different hosts, such as myself, will be bringing you different sustainability or issues or topics to discuss and we get to explore the views and perspectives of our permanent guests who are from different generations and backgrounds. So just a little bit of an introduction to what Econites does. Pertubuhan Alam Sekitar Econites, we are a not-for-profit environmental organization established in 2005. Our core focuses are in capacity building of in areas of community engagement and environmental education, smart partnerships and with uh, corporate and government agencies in developing effective sustainable engagement programs and providing platforms where activities on sustainability can be shared with the masses. So without further ado, tonight we are joined by two of our regular speakers, our very own Amlir Ayat, Vice President of Econight, and our uh, very charismatic personality. Amlir, just coming onto the screen now, please give a short introduction to yourself. What do you do? Sorry, Amlir, I believe your microphone is muted. Okay. okay. Yep, can hear you. Okay, I'm Amlir Ayat. Thank you very much, Akil, and also for the production team. Uh, I'm the, like been said before, I'm the VP of Econize, and I focus a lot on water management. And before this, I, yeah, I'm still doing some water management projects, and before this too, and also some wildlife, especially terrestrial wildlife projects based more focus on education and participatory approach uh, based projects. I think that should be good enough. Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Amir. And our next speaker is our fabulous program director, Fadli Bhaktia, or more commonly known as Fabs. And Fabs, you are coming on right now. Hello, Fabs. Hello. Introduction. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. This is great. Great Sunday night. How are you doing? I'm well. Please introduce Amle, yourself. How are you, Amle? Good, good. How are you, Fab? Great. Oh, hi. Um, I'm Fadi Bhaktia, the program director of Econites. I've been with Econites since 2008. So this year is my 13th year with Econites. I started as a volunteer. Um, I'm my way. I can't, yeah, like fought my way out. <laughs> Uh, until I became the program director for the past six years. And I basically manage most of the uh, programs, uh, uh, public uh, relations, uh, finance, and uh, making sure that Econites can operate to its optimum every day. So basically that's what I do at Econites. Lah. And a sweet introduction. Thank you for that, Ali. Um, I just see some of the live comments. Hi to you, Alif. And yes, Cikgu Sazali, class da bermula. So just ah. a reminder, audience yes. members can drop any questions you have in the comment box uh, below. Please we do. will also do a live Q&A along the way. Um, just a housekeeping announcement. Please support us at Econites. So we'll be doing a School of Sustainability Composting online workshop happening on the 20th of June from 11 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. We're currently running a buy one, free one promotion. So for 20 ringgit, 
you can get two invites to the online workshop. And also one of our pillars, Youth Development and Volunteerism, has a digital fundraising entitled Fund for Filter. It's a clean sanitation project for marginalized communities. Uh, for every 5,000 ringgit, I believe, raised, we will aim to provide 12 households in marginalized communities clean water through water filters. And before we get into Sembang uh, Alam for tonight, just a disclaimer, uh, whatever we discuss today is just not text, uh, technical or expert opinion, but it's rather just a few curious souls wanting to know and understand more about our, our environment. Today's topic will be on water. So Amle and Fadli, I hope you will feel refreshed and may this topic help you quench your thirst for knowledge. For our audience members, sit back, relax, drop a comment or two and enjoy the stream. So kicking off, I think I want to talk about water in Malaysia. So a few questions running through my mind is why should people, especially those tuning into this live broadcast, why care about water? Are we facing challenges? If yes, what are they? And ultimately, do you think we as Malaysians or does your average everyday Malaysian know about water challenges? Why and why not? Amle and Fadli, the floor is yours. Amle. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there are a lot of reasons. Well, okay, okay. Yeah, but I think Amle, I think maybe really I think just to add a bit to what uh, Akil just said, then. what do you think is the most basic understanding about water lah, to human? You know, like what, what, what do you think is like the most fundamental things people need to know about water? Can I think I think people realize that water is very important, but then a lot of them do not realize so much the connection between water and also their life. That is hmm. <clears throat> in everyday lives. That is the problem. One of the challenges in in motivating people to really care about water. They know water is important, but then in their daily lives, the, the practice is totally contradictory. They, they wait water and they pollute water without them realizing it. Why? Because especially in Malaysia, people take water for granted. That is the problem. But why? Because we have a lot of water. Malaysia is rich with, with water. And in fact, we have more than enough. That's that's the the the, the thing about Malaysian water. And it's ironic that sometimes we have water supply cuts. We so have. You mean when we have enough water, it's because we. I mean, generally our ge geographical punya location lah. Then we get enough water, rainwater, right? And also yes, we have enough rainwater. In fact, banyak. If you want to compare with other countries, other countries like Australia, Australia much less. In Malaysia, we have about almost 3,000 or let's say about 2,500 millimeters of water in Malaysia. Kalau di, apa tu, uh, in Japan, they only receive 1,530. In Malaysia, 2,500. UK, hmm. 885 millimeters of rainfall per year. Sydney, the town itself, mm. only 95 millimeters wow. of water of rainfall per year. So you can look at different, 95 and 2,500. Sampai kita flooding, you know. So, <laughs> but they don't have, they don't have 
a lot of problems like us. Why? Because we take water for granted. And then, of course, other issues, the challenges, industrial pollution, agricultural discharges, infrastructure, infrastructure the technology, and maybe the... There, there are a lot of problems that we have to look at them in a very organized manner. So, but it too, in Malaysia, we want to push for integrated river or water resources management, looking at them at various aspects. But I guess mm. we can chat more about that. Uh, later on. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's good that you touched on river management because uh, one of the bigger topics I want to speak about tonight is about um, river pollution and especially the creation of the River, and Life, river of Life program. Um, however, I just want to ask, when it comes to simple actions you would encourage for people to save water, can be a simple piece of advice like telling family members to use less water when you're showering, or mm. even bigger actions like engaging with authorities, what would you suggest, Amle and Fadli? Fadli, I think you go first now. What would be your number one tip well, to of course, anybody I think... to save water? It's, I, I think, it, to me, it's really that um, that um, overtime consciousness, like overtime, eh, I can say overtime, because I think as a young person some years ago, I'm still young, but you know, growing up, uh, I, I, I was, <laughs> I think, I think Amli can relate this, right? Amli, we went to boarding school, both of us went to boarding school, and in boarding school, there's a lot of uh, people and, you know, um, students that stays in the hostel, and then we're always uh, reminded about <laughs> Uh, the bill, you know, the uh, the the pengetu always remind about the bill lah, and then because we yeah, kids said, uh, you know, uh, high schoolers said we always buang bazila, we don't care, you know, we I we don't have like this consciousness about taking care of water, but it's reminder ah, uh, it reminder either through punishment kan, either you know, kau kena dendas about uh, bill air tinggi kat asrama ke, ataupun either through soft uh, soft approach which is you know either you know usually dekat surau when we uh, solat you know uh, ustaz mentioned about you no know, way stage i think i think that sort of different <coughs> ways of uh, uh, informing different ways of reminding actually eventually for me uh, personally that made me realize things but only towards the later years lah the early years is really someone you know like if my my dad or my parents tell me to not bazi I, I do it because takut kena marah or takut kena denda. Eh? So I think maybe now because of the information, because my information, because kids now no more. So maybe uh, uh, we can have a different approach. Uh, but I still think that things like this will take time. Although it should start from the young age. Lah. Yeah. So this is my opinion lah, based on yeah. my, my, my personal <clears throat> Uh, experience uh, because I, I I didn't came from environmental background or my parents my family were not from environmental background so it's, I, I feel like as a common person uh, it's not something that you talk about eh hey, ini membazir jangan bazir air ini untuk environment people don't talk about it at home you know but now I think it's the opportunity because of information because of uh, again uh, issues like bila tak dai dulu orang tak dai isalah kerajaan for example now orang cak eh it's not entirely the government's problem man you know it's uh, masalah rakyat 
uh, and then you know NGOs like us keep on giving information and keep on running programs. I think slowly it shapes people's opinion about water. That's what that is my opinion. Oh, thank you for sharing, Fadli. Yeah, uh, we noticed that you have a little bit of a connection issues, but I just caught the tail end of that. And of course, this mindset mm. shift, it's going to take a long time, but it is very valuable if one person begins that mindset shift and if many people do it, collectively we'll have a bigger change in the system and it's going to definitely give us long-term uh, benefits and for everyone, for our country, for the systems in place. Uh, Amle, how about you? Anything you want to add to that? Okay, there are a lot of uh, things that I actually want to say, but I want to focus on the value part. Why are people... Vali, your school is more advanced than mine. We never talk about water, <laughs> water, water saving. The only thing we know is that by six, we have to go to the to to take our showers because if you are late, all the students will use water and at six thirty, the tank will be empty. So we have to yeah. rush. But they yeah. say, but oh, you have to shower very uh, in. Uh, Briefly, do not use too much water because there were a lot of people waiting. Tak ada benda macam tu. Siapa sampai dulu, dia mandi, masih baik. You know, yang lain tu tunggulah pukul 8 when the water comes in and then you may miss your dinner. And this this was in the 80s, right, for you? In yeah, school, yeah. It was in the 80s, right? In the 70s or 80s? 80s, 80s. right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, memang masa tu tak ada masalah. We never have any problems with water except we think that, okay, air tak ada sebab, and we don't have water supply cards. Air tak ada sebab, you mandi lambat. Okay? So, but now, I, I think the, the the issue is from, uh, is more critical because we have water supply cards. Why is this? Because we don't have water, enough water, a lot of leakages, and, and maybe it's drought because there's not enough rain. So, people tend to, to worry about water uh, from that point of view, but never think about saving water. Why? Mm. Because they believe that something will be done. It's not their fault. Okay. Yeah. If you look at the uh, water consumption in Malaysia, we consume water as at about, okay, in some countries, about 150, 200. In Malaysia, it's about 250 to 300 liters of water per person per day, yep. which is about 50 liters more than other countries, especially the European countries. So almost 100 percent, like between 50 to 100 percent more than like the standard. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, than the standard. Standard, standard is about uh, 150. You 150, know, yeah. And, mm. yeah, because we take water for granted. We know there's a lot of water coming in, so uh, people. We have to start telling people, okay, even though we have a lot of water in Malaysia, we have problems, but what? how can we do at our individual levels to save problems? Now, if you take a look, in KL alone, the per capita, per capita means liters of water per person per day. Okay, hmm. per person per day, liters, in liters. In KL alone, the average is about 288 liters per person per day. Okay, let's take... Uh, 250, okay? 250 liters per person per day. Now, if you save, if 1 million people 
save not 2 million kl has about 2 million users 2 million consumers but just take if you manage to get 1 million people to save 5 liters of water per day mm. five, that means you save about 5 million liters five million per day liters. now yeah. that 5 million can be used by the same amount of people uh, by 2 million people in Kuala Lumpur for 2.5 days that extra okay mm. but right. of course you can tell people that oh if you say this is what you're going to get but people still don't yeah. want to see or they, yep. they just don't realize how to save yeah. first we need one of the things that we need to do is to inculcate that value kena kena bagi diorang understand why is water very important in malaysia because remember i told i, I told you last time our values will dictate our behavior what we value most will motivate us to do something will make us commit into something increase our commitment and finally will adjust our behavior now this is very important because that's why i said we have to start from the preschool make them know that water is very important and secondly the connection between human lives and water and mm. thirdly what can we do not telling them what to do but what can we do to save water for example use water wisely now different people have different ways of translating apa itu menggunakan air dengan bijak use meaning use water when you need only when you need to with based with a minimal amount maknanya kalau you basuh tangan jangan buka air besar-besar tak perlu you know daripada kecil you kena teach people this is amount of water that you use kalau daripada kecil ataupun even primary school or even secondary school they know what to do in order to save water to use water wisely after few months even few weeks they will get used to it they will see somebody yang buka air besar-besar dia kata alamak membazirnya you know sebab dia dah biasa guna air yang sikit kita biasa makan satu pinggan tiba-tiba kita tengok kawan makan dua pinggan kita apa ui banyaknya makan padahal dua pinggan tu biasa bagi dia you know kita sebab kita tak biasa so yeah, I, think, i think it's also i i think in probably it's also a misunderstanding that if you use more water maksudnya kalau you basuh tangan you pakai banyak air maksudnya lebih bersih betul tak yes maksudnya macam course. orang ambil wuduk kan hmm. uh, macam okay whether ambil wuduk tiga kali ke sunnah dua kali ke sekali ke macam people understanding is that the more water you use usually what it means is dia lebih bersih that is a I, I understood. I, I I mean I agree. That's why I hmm. said that the misunderstanding is orang rasa bila dia guna lebih air, yes. maksudnya lebih bersih. Contohnya kalau you mandi lima minit dengan you mandi tiga minit, oh lima minit lagi bersih sebab you mandi lagi lama. And kan? that's why. Uh, I think that's that is probably I, the understanding that people have. Yeah. That's uh, why I really believe in education. Education can make people rethink about their behaviors. Kalau they, they rethink yeah. about behaviors and then see, oh, this is not right lah you know this is mm. not good not wise maybe it will still take some time like you said before it will still take some time for me to readjust their behaviors based on what they know but not just what they know we have to help them to give the options one of the problems in some uh, conservation projects or environmental projects is that a lot of people or the so-called pro 
environmental people, they like to look at the faults, but lack giving people the options. You have to give people options. What to do? If I cannot bring plastic back to the shopping mall, what should mm. I bring? You know, if I cannot buy, if you are telling that buying plastic bags at the mall is bad for the environment, what should I do? Then we have to tell them, bring cloth back. If I cannot use a lot of water, what should I do? Oh, actually, kalau you mandi, you can actually use this amount of water. Try it. If you ambil udu, you can use very little amount of water. If you use, let's say, flushing, masa kita flushing toilet, you are actually using four to six liters of water per flush. Mm. So mm. how can you reduce that amount? For example, mm. setengah orang, mm. dia letak botol yang penuh air dalam dia punya flush. Or batu um, kan, something, yeah. something heavy kan? Yeah, something heavy or a yeah. brick. Some people actually reuse water that they use and simpan air tu and isi dalam flush. Ada orang buat macam tu. And that mm. saves a lot because imagine six liters of water being down the drain in one flush. Six liters is a lot. A, a, an average human being needs about two liters of water per day. You can use that water for three days. And mm. the water that we get, please understand that the water we get has been treated. Has mm. been treated and it's called the portable water. Well, portable water, theoretically, you can actually drink it. But what do we mm. do? Kita buang dalam flash, basuh kereta, macam-macam yeah. you. What a waste. That is a yep. big waste. And that's where we get this 300 liters per person per day. Yeah. So Amli, can I ask yeah. you a question? So you mentioned about portable water. Does that mean the water mm. coming through from sinks and uh, in, the, in the laundry room, for example, all that water can actually be drank? Yes. Technically, yeah. Theoretically, it can be drank. But in some areas, when the water when the water leaves the water treatment plants, for example, in Ijo, in in Bestari Jaya, the water has been treated. Once the water comes out of the uh, treatment plant, it can be drank. It can be drank without without worrying to boil it or to put it in a mm. filter or whatever. You can drink it. The problem is that sometimes the water passes through old pipes which is one yeah. of the problems in many, many, many states in Malaysia. The, the pipes need to be replaced. Some In some places, they are using PVC pipes so that the water will be clean and safe for drinking. Uh, uh, in, uh, in, but in essence, the water can be drank. It's drinkable. That's why we call it potable water. And if you, and I think this is a good, I would like to uh, applaud the, some of the water treatment plants for bringing some students to the water treatment plant to show them how the treatment is being made. I think Econite should conduct a trip there to, to see the complication of them uh, bringing the water to the entire state. Uh, if uh, this in, in, in Selangor, I just want to highlight since I'm talking about water treatment plants. <clears throat> in many other states, the water treatment plant managers or the workers they only look at the water yeah, coming I mean, from the treatment plant, let's say maybe once or twice a day. Okay. But in Selangor, the water managers have to look at the water every hour because the develop in some areas the development is so uncontrolled that they send pollutants 
into in, they discharge polish uh, pollutants into the water even 3 a.m at 5 in the morning and this has caused a lot of problems and you can see if you go there you can see the complications the difficulties faced by the water treatment managers and why we need to increase our water tariff because the price is getting higher the cost of managing water is getting higher and i'm glad that in selangor people are not making a noise about the termination of the 20 cubic meter of water the free 20 cubic millimeter uh cubic meter water for the rakyat selangor because it's important that we we have to spend some money on this to make sure that we get potable water thank you, mm, thank, you. thank you so much for sharing that's actually a lot of uh good points I took into account just then. Um, it definitely would be an interesting and beneficial trip for us at Equinites to learn how these uh, water management services yes. uh, take we place have to go how there. they operate. Um, sorry, Fadli, uh, you managed to fix your internet issues. You said yeah, you're currently uh, can you, in a jungle. Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes, can hear you now. Yeah, I, I will come in and out now. I'm a bit, no problem. I'm a bit, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I just, I think when funny, you right? exit, like, even in KL, I can't, you know, this connection is still not, not very good, but I'll try my best. And it's interesting, Amri, you mentioned about the, the, you know, bringing the, the what? Mention the word of all this stuff. Okay, what did he say? Mention the word. Uh, he he cut off. I didn't get that. But while we're here, I think we have a comment by Chegu Sazali, uh, and if we can bring up the banner by Chegu Sazali, uh, her comment in Bahasa is penabaca kilang kilang racun dan baja daripada peladangan dan ladang peternakan membuang sisa kepada ke sungai kecil ke sungai besar. Have you seen that happen before? All the oh, yeah. uh, a lot of times rubbish disposal. Yeah, if you look at the industrial consumption, I think okay. Uh, just to give you a perspective, from the total water supply demand in Malaysia, about eighty percent of the consumption is for the agricultural sector. Maknanya sektor pertanian menggunakan almost eighty percent of the water supply. Industrial, mm -hmm. about 13% or something like that. And the rest, mm -hmm. about 10% is us, domestic consumers. But we mm -hmm. have to remember who make these industries exist. Mm -hmm. Agriculture, who make these agricultural activities exist? We, the consumers. We push for products like food. And people have to produce food for a lot of people. What do they need to do? They need to produce food as soon as possible, as much as possible. Right now, we are even having problems with some of the food, basic food in Malaysia that we have to the point that we have to import some of the, this, the, uh, the food that we are eating right now. We have to import rice, we have to import garlic, we have to import this and that. So the, the pressure on agricultural activities is, is, is strong. So this, so, yeah. So these agricultural activities have to produce, and in the process, they have to use some chemicals. For example, 
fertilizers. Where do the runoff of these fertilizers go to? Go to the river. So in one way or another, we consumers have to blame ourselves. So what should we do? Maybe we, during the PKP or the MCO, some people thought of, you know, maybe we should plant our own vegetables. We should produce our own food. And when you produce your own food, you want to make sure that your food is clean. And mm. if we reduce our demand on the agricultural products, the mass, mass produced agricultural products, then we are actually reducing the demand on the production of chemicals, which are used by the ag agricultural activities and finally going to the rivers. Same with the industries. I mean, for all you know, the industries that we are blaming to for for polluting the environment or the rivers are the industries which produce the things that we are demanding in the market. So we have to look into that. And this is another, you know, something which can be talked in another two or three hours in another another session. But we have yeah. to look. We have to use things wisely. When you go buy something, think. Do you need to use that thing or not? When you go to a supermarket, bring a shopping list. Bring a list of things that you don't you you need to buy. Don't go without one. Don't just go in because normally when you don't bring a shopping list, you tend to buy a lot of things. Everything is important for you. And at the end of the day, you are throwing a lot of plastic bags. Not just the plastic bag to carry the products, but also the plastic wrappers and all the unnecessary uh, containers and whatnot. <clears throat> Thank you so much for sharing, Amli. Uh, Fadli, are you back with us now? And uh, you had a question for Amli, is that correct? Can you hear me now? I'm trying to see whether my connection is better or not now. Can you hear me? Yes, Broken. yes. Can you hear me? It's a little okay, bit choppy, but can hear you. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit choppy on my side as well. I'll try my best. Uh, I'm, I'm really sorry to everyone's listening. Um, I've been trying to fix the situation for the past two weeks and the PKP made it a little bit, um, you know, slower for everyone to respond to the situation. But uh, I mentioned about, uh, you know, bringing the students or bringing the kids, right, to the water treatment plants, right? And this yeah. is interesting because we have Econet Science in the future, but I can't tell you much, but we are actually in discussion with uh, one of the uh, operators of the water treatment uh, services in Malaysia to do programs for especially youth to bring them to uh, you know to see how uh, the water has been treated what is the byproduct or like you know of the of, of, of the treatments and what are the technology uh, uh, that has been invented or you know products that have been invented through you know the current technology so I think this is very interesting uh, for me to you know to explore and the youth there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because like you know we are actually on the discussion with with, with uh, an organization to do that. Yeah. Choppy bro, choppy. But uh, I think I captured what Fadli was trying to say. I think I feel the same way as him. It's like listening to you when you talk about your experiences and not talking about your uh, insights and uh, perspective on water, especially in the agricultural and food sectors, Amle, I feel like 
it is like listening to my professor back in university is uh, I'm learning a lot and I feel like this is a real taste of what is happening especially here in Malaysia yes I think Fadli, people that... are you okay now Fadli can you hear me now yeah yeah, yeah we can hear you. oh oh my I've, <laughs> I've been trying to switch different networks you know just to find the the, the suitable one I'm really sorry everyone again my I apologize for the situation from my side yeah no worries I think, I think somebody Econites brought up this this issue about kilang penternakan ayam menjadi punca sungai tercemar now where do the ayams go <laughs> we need the ayam and at the same time you know we are causing and we are the oh kilang ayam mencemarkan alam sekitar eh siapa, siapa makan, makan ayam, ayam eh? yeah <laughs> KFC huh? beratur, ruling PKP, you know, people want to buy So, it's a, it's, so a, it's a very, very huge, complex situation, right? Like, especially yeah. water, because I, I want to just go back to something very fundamental I thought about. And, you know, when in school we learn history, civilization starts from, you know, rivers, kan? Where, you know, people find, uh, build civilizations at river because of the water, right? Because we cannot yeah. live with water, without water. Sorry. Mm. So, um, it has been, I think, that's why it says in, in ROL and River of Life, in Sungai Nadi Kehidupan, it is actually. And, and if we, I think if we try to even, you know, relate ourselves to, you know, our dependency on water, sebenarnya banyak benda kita boleh reflect lah sebenarnya. To me lah, kan? When we talk about, you know, uh, can you drink, can you not drink, water in one day i mean of course human cannot uh, can drink can live without water for say three to seven days ke contohnya lah kan you know up to a certain days right but have anyone tried to not drink water in 24 days eh, sorry 24 hours i'm sorry 24 hours so it's uh it's it's very very we are very dependent on water i think i don't know when at what time of our life that we suddenly forgot about that lah, you know. And, and the other thing is that we have to look at various other products. We have to relate ourselves to other products. Every product that we use mm. needs water in in yeah. order to produce them. This is this yeah. is the thing. So, and it's not just the products. For example, if you take a plastic bag, okay, if you take plastic bag, it's not just the amount of water being used in order to make that plastic bag but mm. the other processes to to enable the production of the plastic bag for example a machinery yeah. to, to cool down you know bag. the aircon you know yeah compressor yeah yes, the amount and this is called what we call the, uh, the 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 term being used is the water footprint how much water mm. is being involved in the production of a plastic bag so that you know, oh, there's a lot of water being involved. Sometimes we have, uh, th there is what you call the virtual water, in what virtual water, the water that you cannot see hmm. being used in the production of that thing. It's not just taking a glass of water. Tapi bila nak buat suatu produk tu, you kena guna air juga. Itu yang yang menyebabkan air ni jadi very critical in terms of its quality and also its uh, is quantity uh, 
and i would like yeah, to and most of the water and and i think the most of the water pun i mean if i get this fact correctly is only 3% of the water that is considered drinkable right less than that ah less than that so you imagine like everyone has to fight for this 3% for yes. everything that we are doing hmm you know that's oh, why yeah. i think you know the the use of uh, you know um air laut right the salt water is now i i don't know now lah but it has been talked about you know whether it's a good option alternative to support the situation now i th- i think it's not really practical economically because it's going to be very expensive and it's going to put more financial or physical pre- pressures uh pressures on the consumers because we we still have a lot of water from the surface runoff the dams and everything mm. the problem is mm. the management and the way we mm. consume water it's not about mm. not not having enough water It's about how we use water. We have a lot of water. Sampai banjir mm. KL. You know, why mm. can't we use that water? Where does this water go? You know, hujan, kalau you pergi satu rumah kadang-kadang, hujan yang banyak that you can actually harvest. From that mm. rain, you can use that water falling on your roofs and reuse it for some other purposes, secondary purposes, meaning mm. not for drinking or not for showering. Maybe to... Uh, water your plants is to to uh, wash your uh, uh, compounds wash your car yeah. you know that amount of water can be used so that we can reduce water consumption on the portable water supply uh, yeah. and uh, i think uh, i think the younger generations today should be also exposed for example by bre- to water management issues by bringing them for example to the water intake plants water intake plants mm. are plants where the water supply or the water treatment plants actually get their water to be supplied to the public so that they can see oh this is where the water is coming from sometimes it's mm. polluted also and this is a problem for some water treatment plants the source itself is already polluted why because the development is already encroaching into the water catchment areas and some water catchment areas are not protected in malaysia and i think we have to really consider some state governments have really have to really consider their decisions or their proposals in utilizing or uh uh or logging some of the forests which are in the catchment areas this is a very critical issue we can talk about that maybe uh, later on yeah yep. for sure just a reminder to our audience members if you have anything you would like to expand upon further in this session please do reach out to us via our social medias at econites or visit our website www.econites.org.my Uh, one thing I want to mention, thank you so much for mentioning it first, Amle, is the idea about this water calculator. It's essentially uh, a virtual resource. You can literally type it into your website browser and say, what's your water footprint? And I believe someone has linked the water calculator in the comment section. But Good. it's the online resource that you can look at and see. It's kind of like the same thing as your carbon put- footprint calculator. You know where it says how many planets do you need to uh, fulfill your daily water needs, uh, to de- fulfill your daily living needs. In this same sense, this water calculator looks at how many planets do you need based on how much water you consume on a daily basis. And it's something yeah. to really uh, 
get people to think about because I only found out about this water calculator when I reached my university years. I never uh, was even given the idea of water consumption in my schooling days. I really wish that it was something that was taught to me at a younger age. La. Although I, I do think, still yeah, think... I think <laughs> Yeah, I think Econite's phone we used to not use like we we have been you know going to schools. I think a lot of other organizations or groups that goes to school and uh, plan programs about various environmental issues, including water especially. And I think for River of Life, as part of our public outreach uh, 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 program, we go to schools through our Anugrah Hijau programs. Can when we talk about rivers and waters, I think. Um, a lot of schools, eh, they uh, they welcome those many because I think they want to get the students to be uh, aware, to create awareness. But I think it's not enough for us to only go once or twice a year to a school and do this one, two hours because how berapa banyak pun kita boleh sampaikan yes. dekat the students. Eh? So, um, and I think because of PKP, lah, because of this MCO, I think it's a very, very good option because at this point we know that digital information is getting more and more uh, important people rely more on this information and people are, b- are being more uh, what do you call it uh, uh, used to digital uh, information right? so i think this yeah. is a good time to continue to provide information uh, i think yeah. uh, it's not whether we know how to use calculator i don't know how to use the calculator as well but i think the earlier the information gets to someone I think the better it is for everyone. Yeah. Although they tak terima, contoh, if I receive this information when I was 16, I wouldn't care about it. Because like, who wants to care about water at the age of 16? Really, like, I mean, from a general, generally speaking. But, like I said lah, if you keep getting information like COVID, you know, people know about so many things about COVID because the information has been given on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Oh. Nak tanah orang nampak lalu, dia mesti baca. Yes, Sikit, I, I think... Kan? I, th- I think it's very yeah. important that we spread the message. It should be mm. a short message, but continuously. Water yeah. is important or anything like that. What can you do? What to do? This is very important. Just two or three things. I always, I often stress two things. If people are really too busy to talk, to, to do green things, at least to mm. do, do two things. First, use water wisely. Use it only mm. when you need in the amount that you need. Secondly, throw rubbish in the right place. Those are the two mm. things. If Malaysians can do this, they will be good enough. My second point is the need to review the curriculum at the schools. Preschool, primary school, secondary school. Where can we chip in? I'm not suggesting that we should add another subject. But look at the present subjects. Where can we chip in this idea about wise water use what can we yeah. do to motivate the students to to, to 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 do something which could be a small looks like a small thing but can make a big difference when we do anugrah hijau at schools we can see mm. that the students can do a lot of things they can do great things, things yeah. great things and it's very very amazing that they can actually do this I never believed that they could spend time to do this. So if you ask them to do very simple things, for example, use little amount of water, train them. Once you are trained, once you have the values which have been hopefully been inculcated during their preschool years, then it will go on. 
it will be some habit can uh, a habit um, when they after two or three I, years i have this opinion um, can you hear me i i, I just want to make sure that it's not chopped can you hear me can you guys hear me yeah. yes can hear you yeah okay i have this opinion uh, about what you said about in, incorporating it into our uh, education system right and i agree to not perhaps at the moment not to add another subject or take out another subject because it's just a bit too complicated eh? but imagine like simple things like when you do so maths you know in mathematics or in ed maths and you have formulas and you have to run you have like scenario where you have to do your calculations and then what if you know simple things like that they relate back to saving water you know even history when you talk about civilizations and blah 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 and then in in the points is to talk about how it's actually related to sustainability in a sense what i mean is you don't change anything but the narrative of how you tell the students about you know your subjects has something to do with environment or sustainability so it's in geography or even physics right you talk about physics it says you know is this law physics law but then what if you instead of using a scenario yang tak logik ke or yang macam tak tak kena-mena you use something that is related to sustainability or environment so somehow bila orang the kids students dia buat kira-kira pasal physics ke or you know all this formula somehow the topic is about saving water and how they actually uh, kira tangki yang bocor ke kan yes. how, you know i mm. think i think benda-benda yang macam tu macam potong uh, run off kan okey kita tak adalah cakap water run off macam tu je kita cakap pasal uh, uh, hutan kena tebang because of that ada hakisan kan or water run off and then you have to calculate uh, what is the what is the isi padu you know but somehow in their mind they can relate all these things to oh so things like this happen because of this so it's indirect lah to me but okay. it will have some sort of impact to what they think about certain things ah okay there are two points i would like to highlight based on what you said just now what you said just now is termed as the integration of sustainability in the in the curriculum or for a shorter mm. word education for sustainability that means mm. in every subject that you learn there are elements of sustainability or better still the education mm. is geared towards achieving sustainability by putting mm. all the issues and not only that children they learn very fast through experiential learning or discovery we need to use that strategy not telling mm. them you know but make them experience the process i i've seen some cases where the teachers are uh are intelligent enough to make the students learn something not by telling them but making them go through the process go through the experiment mm. not telling not even telling them that that this is important but by doing something something the students know this is important that's good enough and the teachers may only need help them to see what are the options that you can do in order to achieve sustainability in your daily life we bring students to the rivers you show them even preschool students if you show them the two pictures of a dirty river and a clean river you ask them which river do you want to bathe in they will choose the clean river it's instinct is already in their head they don't want to go to a river where which which is dirty and polluted you know you bring the students to the water intake plants water intake points where the water is being taken and supplied to their houses tell them what is this place what do you think should be done uh, i mean uh, what, what do you think about this place should we protect it should the forest be protected 
they they know okay they can give the answers now once you have get them to that point inculcate the values what are the universal human values which tally with water management sustainable water management and that is caring for each other that is once you have that basic value you can actually gear them motivate them to do the right things in relation to water management that's all we need hmm. we do, you don't have to tell them protect water no you just have the right values and they will, it will come automatic automatically to their minds oh i need to protect water because water is very important for my life and i need to care for others if i use water more than enough then other people may not be able to use it during water cuts do you know some houses they actually take as much water as possible so that they can have enough water do they know that by doing that they will deprive others of the of, of water supply but why do they do this i think it's because we don't have that strong value of caring for others and also they may not be able to get the idea that if i save water now i'm actually saving water for myself not just for other people i'm saving for the whole state so every person that's why i give you the calculation just now if one person save even 2 liters of water per day it could mean a big deal to the whole selangor state or even in the whole country thank you so much amle that's can really feel the passion behind your voice um we actually spoke about this quite in depth if you guys don't mind any anything else from both of you because i would like to move on and talk about uh, river of life is that alright uh, move on yeah okay, okay. <laughs> move on yes okay uh, i think i think i just want to at the questions or the points brought up here Oh, Cikgu Sazali brought up a technical question here. Uh, berapa okay. jarak yang diperlukan jika pembinaan dari uh, pembinaan atas sungai? Yes, do you okay. have any experience with that? Actually, according to the law, is there's what you call the buffer zone, the zone which cannot be developed. And the buffer zone on both sides of the river is the width of the river. If the river is 100 meters width, then the buffer zone on both sides should be 100 meters, and that's called the flat plain. Because when the water rises, then you are not going to put any buildings at risk. The problems now is that this thing is not being complied at in Malaysia, <laughs> so you have flooding and whatnot. Why? Because you build your houses in a flat plain. That's why this water you must they membanjiri rumah because we place the houses at the wrong place you know and sometimes that you you have people from jps for example telling the people okay if you're going to build the house is you should put it further up or you have to put up a platform to raise your house by putting some uh, structure or foundation to to reduce the risk of flooding but some of the developers do not want to spend money on this and that we, that is why in some areas i'm not going to mention the areas it was a, an area which was popular for its well known for its flooding problems you know because they want to save costs and at the end of the day we lost millions from the properties and luckily we we never have any any serious uh, 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 problems like loss of lives in Malaysia due to flooding. 
and only a few, you know. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I understand is when you want to build a building, it is based off the width of the river, correct? So if, yeah. for example, the width of the river is 100 meters, then the the distance is 100 meters, for example. On both sides. On both sides. Okay. Left and right. On both sides. Okay. Yeah. When I say left, uh, yeah, I mean left, uh, uh, not 50 meters, 50 meters, 100 meters, 100 meters. Okay. Mm, okay. Thank you, Amli. No um, all right, so moving on to River of Life, the River of Life Public Outreach Program. Um, as you know, it focuses on uh, cleaning rivers along uh, the Klang Valley, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I want to know what were the biggest challenges in getting ROL underway? And you talked about this mindset of why people should care, why they value rivers being clean. Um, were these part of your big challenges? How did you two overcome them as you were creating ROL through Econites? Is that a question to me? Uh, to any of you, either Fadli or Amle. Fadli, you want to chip in? Um, um, I, I can. Uh, so Econites is part of the River of Life uh, FASA TGA, which is, uh, I think it's the package from the 2017. 2017 sampai 2020, so four years. So we were part of, actually we were part of the River of Life program before that with the Sungai Bunos. Ingat Tamli kan? Yeah. So when we were part of the uh, Sungai Bunos punya committee and then in 2017 where we uh, we are uh, officially part of the FASA TGA uh, from Sungai Kerayung down to Sungai, uh, Sungai Kelang. Um, I think the biggest challenge the biggest challenge is always uh, so basically there are two objectives for the river of life when your programs eh? one is to create awareness for public especially for those who live within the uh, river basin you know within the area uh, about the kewujudan uh, sungai itu sendiri because i think uh, still a lot of people don't know the the rivers in kl most of us still don't know what constitute as a river, what constitute as uh, longkang. Sebab dah banyak mm. sangat sungai yang dah di, you know, yang di concrete kan. Jadi orang ingat itu longkang. Padahal dia sungai. So satu is create awareness. To tell people that, hey, uh, you know, in KL there are rivers. And ni lah sungai nak di kehidupan kita kan. Secondly mm. is to uh, increase participation of the general public and especially the people who live around the river punya committee community to uh, to get involved in di directly or indirectly in its program to create awareness and to you know to protect the river lah hmm. uh, so directly means you know if you go and do trip uh, clean up ke you do any program that is directly to help or to improve the quality of the river or indirectly, that means if you run programs in your kawasan perumahan, you recycle at home, you don't throw your uh, minyak masak dekat dalam sinki, itu semua consider as indirectly. Or even competition like anugerah hijau, itu semua consider as indirectly. So directly or indirectly hmm. is fine. But the idea is to create awareness. Uh, and secondly, is to get people to participate. So these two is really a big challenge for various reasons lah but I can stay maybe my point of course there are many points I can add uh, the challenge is 
when you do the public outreach program, right, this education program, so you want to uh, educate people, you want to create uh, this info, uh, provide information for people to 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 know more and to participate in these activities. I think uh, the what I see uh, after three and a half years of doing it, uh, the biggest challenge uh, too is between enforcement and education. This is what I see, yeah, based on our uh, experience, yeah, because you can do education, but the enforcement needs to be, uh, you know, needs to be improved as well. Because kalau kita pergi dekat community yang kita cakap jangan buang sampah ke or jangan buat benda something or change your lifestyle uh, it's difficult if it's not with enforcement. So I think hmm. these two things yang memang sangat penting lah. Education because you need to you need the soft approach. You need to tell people you need to you know make sure that they they, they willingly want to participate or maybe in, at the start they are not very well willingly tapi they join juga. Hmm. Tapi the enforcement, I think the especially you know the government, the agencies perlu buat enforcement. Enforcement doesn't mean that you can uh, penalize orang. Macam tadi ada, I think ada one question that asked about you know what should, why, uh, how much should be uh, the you know uh, those who break the law should be penalized. Uh, that's not my uh, position to say. But what I mean is in terms of enforcement, the they need to turun padang, monitor, monitor, provide, monitor. I think maybe macam allow the public to even access macam Ali cakap pasal bringing the students ke bringing public to go to this uh, water treatment center ke or all this kan. Tempat-tempat hmm. yang tak boleh masuk, public tak boleh masuk. I think this is part of enforcement. Education but part of enforcement because the agency, the government actually turun padang and allow certain things to uh, you know to be uh, open to public lah. Yeah, it's part education tapi enforcement selain daripada denda selain daripada you know uh, uh, tangkap orang buat salah itu semua kita dah tahu as enforcement but what I mean another part of enforcement is to also provide this uh, information or provide this access where public or people can know there's more transparency in the way uh, information or the way they do they operate because banyak lagi salah faham macam oh kalau hmm. sungai ni siapa yang patut jaga GPS ke DBKL kenapa ni GPS kenapa ni DBKL you know people are still confused over things like this right yeah because hmm. probably not enough information probably not enough uh, participation or interaction between uh, the enforcement agencies uh, you know the agency and also the public lah so I think from our point of view of Econites we come in as an NGO to bridge the gap between the public and also be between the yeah. know, policy makers, between the agencies. Yeah. Yes, I, th- I think yeah. I think NGOs should play that role that because sometimes I know some government officers who are committed, very committed yep. in trying to get the community. I think, I, think, I think many of them and I've worked with them. I know orang akan cakap macam government agency tak buat kerja contoh lah kan. You know, of course dalam mana-mana organisation mesti ada issues, mesti ada challenges. But the people that I've worked with uh you know their dedication to do things to help because it's not easy or the bureaucracy untuk dapatkan approval dan sebagainya i know it's not easy but so far three and a half years you know they've been very supportive kita buat program-program yang uh kreatif kan even macam anugerah hijau kita buat you know, green ramadan campaign lah kita buat program-program yang you know more kreatif innovative kan they support tau they support they turun padang they support they they are supportive. It's just that it's a huge issue and it's a it's 
you know and to educate uh, you know this amount of public yang uh, very detached lah to me to the issues of river even to river kita punya river is kita pergi dekat you know uh, air terjun itu kita punya definition of river mm-hmm. tapi river yang ada kat KL belakang rumah kita yang lalu dekat pantai dalam tu yang lalu dekat ceras tu kita tak anggap dia river sebab tak boleh mandi kat situ kan Hmm. Our definition of river itself is only a place where I can go and mandi and have fun and bring my family for picnic. But not hmm. this river that runs behind my, uh, you know, my apartment or my condominium where it looks dirty. To them, is disassociate lah. Kan? Dia punya nature, dia punya, dia punya sense of belonging to river. This is what I think lah. Hmm. Uh, and it's very difficult to strike that uh, awareness and that enforcement you know you want to have the softness to people to uh, align with your vision but then also to be firm enough to say that look this is an important issue and you have to help us in reducing river pollution uh, mm-hmm. i want to also add there's two questions by members of our audience one is from niza muhammad shari uh, saying the government has been treating water for people to use from time to time. Uh, what are the government's initiatives to penalize the ones who cause water pollution? And the second question by Ms. Maimuna Atan, uh, how about getting teachers involved? So I think we'll go with question number one first. The government and are there any uh, penalties for those who cause water pollutions or what are the government's initiatives? I, th- I think it depends on where the pollution happens and where does it come from. If you're talking about littering, then maybe it's, uh, it's under the jurisdiction of the local authorities. If it's from the yeah. industries, it would be under the Department of Environment, which is, I know, under staff. And I've got, uh, recently I was chatting with, the, uh, with one BOE staff saying that they need uh, more uh, so-called remote monitoring or remote yeah, remote river water quality monitoring uh, mm. technology which would help them to uh, to, uh, to cover their problems in not having enough staff which is I believe is important because if you have this new technology then it would be a real-time technology it would help them to to, to improve the situation and look at which which industries are polluting the rivers. Secondly, the question from, who is that again, Maimuna Atan? Yes, a question from Miss Maimuna Atan. And she asked, what about getting teachers involved? I'm not sure what does she mean getting teachers involved, but I assume getting teachers involved in the uh, uh, in in the education process, of course, we need to get the teachers involved, and we we can only depend on teachers. Teachers are our main bridge between uh, main bridge to go to the students. I I always stress, apart from the review of the curriculum, is about training the teachers, or better still, training the teacher trainees, the teacher trainers. You go to the uh, institute latihan guru, get the teachers, mm. get the trainers to 
know certain things about education for sustainability and then they will train the teachers because Econites or even if we combine all NGOs, we cannot go to all the teachers, even to get to this, uh, uh, was this all the trainers in Institute Latihan Guru, it would be very, very tough for us. But before that, before the process can happen, we ought to, like I said, review the curriculum. Once the curriculum is reviewed, getting all the opinions and inputs from the stakeholders, from the teachers, from the Kementerian Pendidikan Malaysia, from the NGOs, from maybe get somebody from overseas, from the from uh, from Europe or from the UK, from New Zealand, North Australia or wherever, who have been involved in education for sustainability, get them to sit together. And I want to know, I want to know how do some countries like Japan they have started maybe about 50 years ago. How did they manage to build a, a community or a group or, or, or a citizen, citizens who are very environmentally conscious, motivated, yeah. very conscious? Where, where does the story start? What happened? Is it from Minamata? Is it from the Nagasaki tragedy or when? When, when, what did you do? You know, uh, I was talking to somebody from Australia who was involved in education. He said, the first, one of the first thing they did was education plus enforcement. So those two are combined. So after mm -hmm. some years, they began to be more motivated, more co committed to be environmentally friendlier people. And I want to learn from Japan. Japan amazes me. I want to know how did they manage to do this? Okay, that's another question. And the teachers can be involved if you're attending this. If you know some of the little things that you can share with your students what the students can do. For example, if the students are at home, what can you do in order to wisely use water? Maybe you have seen students using too much water when washing their hands. You can try to tell them, okay, this water is very important. You need to use it wisely. You don't have to use this much, this much of water, tangan and whatnot, or other things. Throw your rubbish into the right places, these kind of things. If you can help them to do this, I think you are doing one of the best things in order to achieve sustainability in the country. Uh, Cikgu Sazali, when I mentioned 100 meter, not 100 meter, betul-betul 100 meter, it depends. I was just giving an example. Kalau sungai itu, the width masa dia paling rendah, 100 meters. Okay, then uh, kalau 150 meters, 150 meters lah. Dia punya both sides, okay? I'm just worried that you might get the idea that it's always 100 meters. It depends on the width of the the river. And uh, Afan mentioned about Longkang should be, there should be no water in the Longkang except when it's raining. Yes, true. In Malaysia, mm. the Longkang is actually only for storm water because whatever we... Okay, this is for, for some people who do not know. Apa-apa air yang digunakan di bilik mandi, di, di dapur, everywhere in the house, it goes directly to IWK. It doesn't go to the longkang. Longkang ini kita panggil storm water drainage. Dia cuma akan ambil air hujan. In English, it's called storm water. So, bila air hujan, bila ada hujan, baru longkang itu sepatutnya ada air. Tapi kalau tak ada hujan, ada air, there's something. There's a problem. Okay. Secondly, there are problems in some areas where, okay, yang air masuk ke dalam uh, IWK ni ialah regulation yang I think was practiced, was uh, regulated, enforced about 30 years ago. 
sebelum tu semua air daripada dapur daripada bilik mandi semua masuk dalam longkang dan masih ada lagi you still have houses yang air dia contohnya rumah lama yang dibuat sebelum that regulation was enacted so the air tu datang daripada longkang dan ini adalah salah satu sumber yang mencemarkan sungai tapi sepatutnya rumah-rumah yang baru uh, even 30 years ago shouldn't have this problem jadi kalau ada air walaupun tak hujan that means dia ada buat some construction ataupun dia alihkan air yang illegally being float into the into the longkang dan mungkin juga kadang-kadang dia tak alihkan tetapi oleh kerana banyak sangat sampah yang clog the system maka air itu dia tersangkut dan sebab itu kadang-kadang you tengok dah dua hari hujan pun air kotor masih banyak sebab apa? ada sistem yang tersangkut di sana yeah? Amli, macam mana pula hmm. dengan dengan ada sekolah ke ada atau ada komuniti yang bela ikan dekat dalam longkang? Kalau longkang, kalau longkang tu air bersih Okay, no problem. Tak, maksudnya, yeah, yeah, but but the technically air longkang patut kering, betul tak? Oh, I see. So now the longkang, ah, <laughs> uh, betul tak? Sekarang ni longkang ni dah jadi tempat ada uh, bela ikan sebab air air bersih, which is good. But technically dia is 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 not. It's not supposed to be there. Actually. It, it's not supposed to be lah. It's a good it's a good example, tapi uh, it's not what is supposed to be used as kan. Yeah, is, the longkang is not not meant to to breed fish actually. <laughs> Kalau mungkin di Jepun atau di Korea tak tahulah kan. Dia orang punya ada sistem sebab apa? Sistem dia orang sungai tu. Longkang is not perhaps not originally sungai. I'm talking in Japan or Korea. Di longkang yang dia bela ikan tu actually was a river before. But they have have uh, melongkangkan sungai tu jadi sungai tu jadi longkang dikonkretize macam you mentioned earlier so memang sepatutnya ada air dalam dalam monsoon drain drain yang besar bukan hmm. longkang yang kecil-kecil ni bukan yang parit-parit ni bukan okey tapi hmm. kalau longkang okeylah no problem tapi kita kena tunggu longkang tu bersih di Malaysia kalau you bela ikan pun ikan mungkin ikan bandar raya je boleh hidup dan tak ada siapa pun nak makan ikan bandar. Ikan koi tak boleh lah. Ikan koi. Ikan koi tak boleh lah. Ikan koi tak tak boleh. Dia belum ma- masuk sungai dah mati. <laughs> <laughs> eh, so, okay. Uh, you mentioned about Korea and Japan tadi. And I know this is, I'm sure siapa yang, those who are in, uh, you know, into river conservation, you know, have always used Korea or Japan as an example of, you know, like clean river kan. I think ada some river in Korea yang, you know, turn to be, Uh, now one of the most famous uh, attracted attraction you know the river in in the world kan yeah and sekarang kita pun tengah uh, you know seluruh dunia bukan je Malaysia je especially Malaysia and the whole world is now uh, you know uh, tersebar dengan uh, you know this korean punya trend kan kan akin kan you know the korean trend kan the k-pop hmm. trend like, how do you think like things like this can be integrated kan. Eh? Orang tengah pandang, dasar pandang ke Korea kan. Eh? Everything is Korean, makan Korean food, tengok Korean artis. <laughs> But there are also these good things like this clean river in Korea that you know should be also diselitkan dalam uh, you know dalam dalam the message lah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Actually there's uh, uh, And an, a journal article, sorry, that has been provided by our backend team. Yeah. Um, I believe 
it will be shared in the banner. You can see its title is Importance of River and Water Among Teachers. And basically, I'll read you the short abstract. Water plays a very important role in everyday life. However, water pollution has resulted in changes to the quality of river water, especially when it is amongst the most important sources of water in everyday life. So it goes on to say the teacher and the school staff are role models for students in developing moral values. And that's what uh, Amle mentioned before. So in this study, they aim to find out the teacher's attitudes, knowledge, awareness, skills, and participation of the importance of river and water and the relationship between each other. So a total of 143 questionnaires were distributed and the findings showed that the overall knowledge, attitude, awareness and participation of teachers and staff on the importance of the river and water were low. No significant relationship was also found between knowledge and attitudes, awareness, skill and participation of teachers and, and staff on the importance of rivers and water. So it's trying to say basically that the importance of rivers and waters can be totally unrelated to how much skill and awareness and uh, attitude they have before going into the river uh, cleanup activity. So that's quite interesting. I just thought we'd yeah. share that with you. Yeah, thank you. But back yeah. to what you're saying, Fadli, I think, yeah, everybody loves to sort of ride on the bandwagon la, and they mm. see a celebrity, for example, promote something. A celebrity, for example, comes to a river cleanup and then the amount of people attending that river cleanup becomes more effective, which is quite <laughs> interesting. And yeah, I'm not a fan of K-pop personally, but would love to see a K-pop star do a river cleanup. Yeah, we Sorry, Amde. <laughs> We should bring these K-pop stars and get all these youngsters yang suka sangat Korean pop ni and show as a K-pop uh, artist to show how to keep your rivers clean just like in their countries. Maybe our youngsters mm. should be motivated, you know, because like Cikgu Sazali said, I would like to highlight what Cikgu Sazali said. Dia kata, I, I, I cannot blame the teachers. The teachers focus kepada core business iaitu mengajar dan masyarakat masih percaya dalam akademik itu lebih penting. Of course, I yeah. I don't blame the teachers. Teachers, I've seen teachers... Sebab tu kita kena hantar masuk asrama penuh, Hamli. <laughs> Our parents expect I mean, us to, you know, I mean, to, seen, to be you know high achiever or something. Yeah, like. I've seen... The expectation is really high. I, I've yeah. seen morning session punya teachers, dia datang pagi, petang baru balik. 30 years ago yep. tak ada macam tu. 30 years ago dia cikgu pagi, dia tengah hari dia balik. Tapi disebabkan the pressure for the students to get A. So A is the value now. They, You don't care whether you are environmentally friendly ke, you not care for others. I will get A even if I have to, you know, I, I if even if I have to bring my friends down, you know, I want to get A. So values are very important but of course i can see that the conflicts faced by teachers you know and uh, there was something that i would like i would like to highlight just now tapi tak apalah i think macam cikgu sazali cakap tadi i think one of the what we mentioned about the integration of the sustainability in education kan i think it's something yang can consider because i think now you know, teachers are very, very stressed with so many responsibilities, right? Yeah. Co-curriculum, education, co-curriculum, curriculum. That's why penting lah untuk 
review the you know the 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 core curriculum because you want to see how should we integrate uh you know the sustainability education without affecting or without taxing too much lah yes we we look, so simple we, as yeah as simple as changing some question as simple as you know um looking it from a more sustainability point of view yes. similarly much of the sdg goals you know we have 17, suddenly now we have 17 sdg goals it seems like it's so many things that we need to do now right but it's actually not it's just to it's just to align back on what is important how do you integrate it with your life you know we're not asking you to do 17 new things but we as we are considering it to be part of what you do in your life or in your business or individuals kan yeah uh, i think because now dia dah jadi macam-macam this kind is always the you know the mathematics the english the science you know that those subjects but those subjects is is not interrelated to each other kan yeah? macam kalau math math lah dia tak hmm. ada nak relate to history ke dia tak ada nak bagi soalan tu something to do with some geographical punya differences ke therefore they have to calculate you know like it's always like kalau matematik matematik this is what i think lah i could be wrong because i'm not in the education line but how do you link all the subjects and everything has something to do with sustainability because essentially that is the you know the foundation of living lah kan like to be able to continue the lives of generations you know in the future that's why i mentioned just now our education should should be geared towards sustainability education for sustainability that is very important education is not just to get a degree or diploma but how to become a better human better human can save the world but degrees or phd's cannot you know you are the education but if you are not wise is going to destroy the world you know how to make atomic bomb but then kalau you tak the value you're going to destroy the world tapi if you know knowledge Uh, you you know how to build an atomic bomb and you know how to use it to take care of the world you'll be a better world you are wise you are yang the other person tu educated tapi not wise the other person they educated by wise tapi ada orang yang tak educated they are wise for example for example indigenous people they might not go to university they might not even know how to read or write but they can make the right decisions for the sake of others that's wisdom It's not educated. They don't have degrees. They don't even go to schools. This is what we want. So, uh, okay, Cikgu Sazali also mentioned about education in Jepun. Kecil-kecil kena belajar cuci tandas, tanam pokok, save water. This is what I meant. Daripada kecil lagi, kita kena tu. So, that's what I mentioned just now. Kita kena get the, maybe with the help of the Kementerian Pendidikan, we can take a look at the curriculum and get some people to review the system what can we do to improve the system so that our children not only not on uh not only educated but wise they can make the right decisions not just keluar sekolah aku nak kaya you know aku nak buat duit blah blah tak kisah pasal orang tak kisah pasal environment you know uh, yeah oh there's a long <laughs> Yeah, I just okay, noticed okay, okay. Like a long question. Okay. Yeah, by Maybe my cousin. Hello, Zain. Yeah. 
Yeah, he dropped by, and if we could get Zane's question up. Yeah. Given that Port Klang is connected to the wow. RO project, and this area is usually busy with continuous shipping activities, even without COVID present, hence contributing to high levels of water contamination there, how can we effectively minimize the levels of water pollution there, taking into account the shipping activities? How can we enforce water sustainability in this particular area? apart from the education and awareness system. In your opinion, should the Department of Environment in... And then your question gets cut off, Zane. So okay. you can follow I on the admit, Department of Environment think, later think, on. Was yeah, sorry, what was the, uh, um, perhaps uh, because we I, I've never worked in Port Klang. I mean, we don't have any uh, uh, you know projects or we, you know engagement or initiative there. But I think one of... It's somehow related to um, the program, the MHB CARES that we did in Pasir Gudang kan, some years ago, remember? The mm -hmm. same sort of issue, you know, with the contamination of the marine, uh, you know, of the sea there, and then affected the community. I think maybe you can share a little bit about that to relate to the Port Klang, lah, I mean, in this question. I think this, this has to do a lot with the government agencies. I think it's talking about enforcement right here. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the right agencies... For example, the Department of Environment is uh, should be should be made well known. I'm not sure whether I'm not really well aware, uh, well versed about the pollution in at that at that particular site. But if you talk about the, uh, for example, pollution in Pasir Gudang caused by some shipping related activities, then the uh, the the authority of the uh, port and also the people in the company in, in the industrial sector itself should be involved actively in this. I'm not sure how how much DOE or the Jabatan Laut hmm. be involved in this. I've never heard of uh, enforcement. Uh, being carried out at these areas and how what, what is the jurisdiction but hopefully we can get to to answer that uh in later uh later episodes but when i talk i, I that just reminds me of rol eh? rol some one of the challenges that i see is that how to get the people along the river for example one community to be involved in ROL, which focuses on reducing water pollution. They will come to you and say, no, we don't pollute this river. And of course they don't. They don't throw rubbish there because they have a proper waste disposal facilities there. And hmm. we cannot, uh, we, I mean, the pollution, even for the pollution from their, their kitchen or their sinks or from their apartments, don't go into the river. Because like I said earlier, all these discharges go to the go to IWK, but <clears throat> of course, if they want to do something which relates to the river, to river management, is really good. And some of them see the importance of the river as protecting the buffer zones. And for example, at Sungai Krayong, the mention uh, the Krayong community and other communities, they have they have uh, set up an agricultural plot along the rivers. At least they are using those plots to make sure that the buffer zones have some use. And that is that is good, good enough for me. But we also need to know 
this is for general public, that 75% of the water pollution, the marine pollution comes from the land. It's not about, you're not talking about the oil spills, whatever we throw. I mean, imagine millions and millions and billions of people living on the land, throwing rubbish or other pollutants into the river, how many ships are there in the sea? Not as many people as the people on the land. So I'm not surprised it's 75% of the marine pollution comes from the land. And this is something that we have to highlight to people. Why? Sebab kita makan ikan daripada laut. Dulu kita tak pernah risau. We never worry about ikan yang tercemar dalam laut. Sebab kita kata, oh laut jauhnya, laut ni besar lagi, you know. Kita perlu risau ikan dalam sungai. Then, and people get get worried when they heard some rivers are being polluted. Eh, ikan kita datang daripada sungai tu ke? Kalau tidak, habislah kan. They are worried. But then, now the marine pollution is so, so drastic, so bad that our fishes, marine fish, which are coming to us are also being polluted. By who? Not by the oil spills or by the ships, by our own actions. And this is something that we have to, to highlight. Hopefully, people will understand, okay, my action is causing my food to be contaminated. So, I need to do something about it. Just make people aware about that would be good enough, you know. That's every, very yeah. interesting. And Thank I, you for I, sharing, Ambe. Yeah. You, would, you would expect that uh, yeah. shipping activities could contribute to the pollution. But yeah. sorry, Fadli, uh, you were going to say something? I just want to mention no, no, that go, maybe go first, go if, if you can add input to your experiences on the Knights of Nature camp, the MHB con camp, uh, it was a three-day, two-night uh, camp. And I believe it was set yep. in a seaside community with... Uh, was it an area affected by shipping activities? I'm not sure. Um, sorry, Fadli, you had uh, something to add? Yeah, um, I, I can I can talk about the Knights of Nature. So, Knights of Nature is one of Eco Knights' initiative. It started, I think, uh, in the, I think, 2011 or 2012. We start, we organized the first camp. Uh, uh, and subsequently, over the years, we have uh, organized many camps, uh, many con uh, Knights of Nature camps uh, around the country, uh, focusing on youth. But the ones that you're talking about is mainly focusing uh, on uh, our partnership with Malaysian, Navy, Malaysian Marine and Heavy Engineering, uh, uh, or MHB in Pasir Gudang. Uh, it started, I think, in about 2013 or 2014. For, for, I think, about five or six years, we partner with them where we organize various camps for the youth in Johor to talk about or to uh, provide, uh, to create awareness and to also to, to, to uh, increase participation for the youth in Johor or study in Johor or live in Johor and, uh, and including the, uh, the, the, what you call it, the children of the employees of MHB to learn about environment, uh, maritime and also community. So basically uh, environment, maritime and community. So within these three main themes, we have various activities, we have various programs within the camp that we uh, have set for them. That include, you know, we do project management, we do, uh, you know, like sharing session, adalah ceramah daripada various uh, speakers. And we also uh, went down to a few communities and we participated in some activities to create that awareness lah. Macam Amdi cakap lah kan, the experiential learning. So they go there 
they see uh, you know ada paya bakau punya area where they need to do a clean up and then they uh, plant some trees or there's some areas where the communities the orang asal communities are affected by pollution or their livelihood is affected so they go there and we do we uh, you know we donated uh, water filters to them we clean up their areas so uh, of course three day to night or four days to night is not a very long period but what is important in this particular program is that number one we uh, focus more on the local youth that means the program is in johor the youth are preferably those who are uh, living in johor or those who are studying in johor because we want to localize this so that when we talk about certain issues they can see it, you know and then they can relate to the issue that is surrounding them because after they finish their study or you know they start to work as individual it matters to you where you where you live and what goes around your surrounding walaupun you say i i, I was born in kelantan for example and now i work, i'm working in pahang or i live in pahang it's important for me to know what's happening around my community so for 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 them for this camp we want them to have that sense of understanding of you know it matters where you are uh, to your surrounding lah. so of course uh, there are many activities that we've done and it's uh, and the thing about camps like this of course you can have the outputs you know 40 participants you tanam 100 pokok you clean up 200 kilogram of waste is important as an output but uh, what perhaps people or maybe many people don't know or don't see is that the long term impact of course is very hard to measure because after they participate in the camp of course they some of them participated or, or continue to work with us or participated in our activities some of them became our interns and became our employees yeah so that's one of the impact that we can really see but those yang kita tak nampak ialah bila diorang uh, you know it will take time you know for them to actually grasp the information the ideas and uh, you know the the solution for them because orang muda kan kita nak bagi exposure je supaya dia nampak sendiri because uh, i think that is the most important lah so for the nights of nature camp uh, been very lucky to you know to be able to work in johor community we've we've had some in langkawi as well uh, of course we would love to run more programs like like uh, you know like uh, the nights of nature programs and amle is definitely one of the you know uh, special speakers that we always have every year because of his experience and and his approach and his you know his um, you know his relation to community development programs and so from my point of view is i was really honored i'm really honored you know to be part of almost all of the camps um, i think 15 16 camps that we have organized over the past 8 9 years maybe so um, and i'm really happy to see some of the people that participated in the in the camps now uh, you know in the sustainability lines i know a lot of them maybe are not or maybe are in sustainability line but i don't know where they are now maybe some of them are not but i think the point of education especially from our point of view is will take really long time you will not see the result immediately especially from the young people it will take time for them to to build the consciousness and to sort of find that tune and and find their way into you know into you know bringing in uh, their contribution
that's my point of view. Thank you very much, Fabi. That was uh, a lot to digest, but very, uh, I want to say wise words. So wise is the adjective I'm going to use, but um, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, it, it takes a lot of, how to say, really self-reflection if you really want to pursue initiatives in sustainability and uh, bettering the environment. Um, um, I want to yeah, go I mean, back to, sorry? Yeah, so yeah, you said about, yeah, reflection. I think reflection is not just about sustainability. I think, I think, yeah, you know, our our religion, you know, in our faith, you know, demands us to, re to reflect, right? Because it's always about how we can improve ourselves. So it's not mm. just sustainability. I think generally as a person, as human, we reflection is definitely one of the most uh, uh, important things that one can do to himself or herself, right? Uh, absolutely yeah but um I, I want to point out that you know you shouldn't any no one should feel intimidated to start something or to do something that uh, can lead to a better living right like all this technical stuff that we talk about you know all these things is is you know you shouldn't uh intimate intimidate anyone to start and become a better person so whether you want to start by having your own bottle that you bring every day to the office, use less plastic every day, you know, any simple things that you do, really, you can, you should just start because um, that's that's what everyone should do. Because I was not from the environmental background. I started very late and uh, I'm still, you know, quite new. So, but I feel like there's no pressure to, to, to perform at a certain level, right? Like you just do what you feel is good and over time, you will again, you know, increase your consciousness about things. You know, you will start to have all these things in your mind and you start to sort of like, okay, this is, uh, perhaps I should do this. Uh, now I know why I should do this. Now this is my, you know, eventually grow. I think Amli can agree with me. Right? It will. It's, it's like a long, lifelong process, Amli. Yeah, it's a lifelong process. We learn every day. And I think in the future, our can should focus on one thing is to, to emphasize on the values, mm. the right values. Mm. And secondly, what can you do as, uh, as an individual to, to, be, to lead a sustainable lifestyle? It should be very practical and easy things to do. Not to, that's why I don't want this to be too technical. I'm trying my best not to use technical terms unless I can explain it in a very simple manner. Because I know when I first heard per capita, what is per capita? I don't know, you know. So I have to explain, You people have to explain to me is about having. So once you have the uh, better understanding about what you can do and also couple with the right values, I think people will be more motivated. I would like to respond to this question from Zain Alba regarding the environment, Department of Environmental uh, involvement in, in, I guess, enforcing the public not to pollute. At this point, uh, Department of Environment, as far as I know, doesn't really enforce uh, their regulations on the public because the public when it comes to pollution issues water or 
uh, or uh, terrestrial pollution it involves the maybe the kementerian perumahan dan kerajaan tempatan the local authorities i uh, which are the pihak, pihak berkuasa tempatan the majlis or the manaraya okay and uh, okay cikgu suddenly said pendidikan menghargai alam perlu bermula daripada rumah daripada parents it's true kalau parents boleh show something the problem is that kadang-kadang cikgu beritahu cikgu cikgu teach something at school and the parents might do something which is different from the what the 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 teachers ask them to do yang cikgu kata buang sampah dalam tong sampah di rumah the parents might do something else that is the conflict so the students become this is a big challenge how are we going to create a less contradictory punya situation among the students because cikgu tapi kadang-kadang students dia tengok cikgu lebih betul so the cikgu ni dia play an important role kadang-kadang kalau cikgu kata satu campur satu lima mak bapak kata satu campur satu dua dia akan percaya cikgu satu campur satu lima sebab cikgu lagi pandai bagi dia it's also i think also is i to me is a chicken and egg lah really because why sometimes uh, in the in the in the family dia terapkan uh, all these values kan and then bila pergi sekolah dia jadi you know orang pandang rendah gelakkan bila dia bawa all these good values so it's a chicken and egg lah sebenarnya so sepatutnya sebenarnya memang sepatutnya bermula dari rumah family punya values memang kena strong tapi di sekolah pun perlu juga ada support yang sama lah sebab yeah. ada ramai je budak yang belajar dekat rumah cara yang betul cara makan yeah. betul adab tapi bila pergi sekolah sebabkan ramai sangat bercampur gaul jadi dia punya values akan jadi drop lah so saya rasa memang sebenarnya memang kedua-dua sebab development of um, children memang perlu wajib eh dari rumah dan juga sekolah sebagai satu lagi uh, support yang kuat lah. I, so, I think dengan cikgu sendiri hmm. memang betul. Okay. I think untuk untuk elakkan benda tu it should start from the preschool. So that tak ada in preschool hmm. students are very clean. You know, preschool teachers should start trying to inculcate these values slowly gradually and then hmm. teach the kids macam macam kat Jepun buang sampah di mana apa semua so that once they have that inculcated then it will be easy for them the next in the next two years when they go to the primary schools students semua dah ada same level of understanding in fact kalau ada orang buang sampah orang akan akan marah dia pula eh kenapa kau buang sampah ni you know jangan buang sampah kita belajar kat sekolah dulu buang sampah dalam tong sampah and then at schools we don't need a lecture half an hour lecture or 15 minute lecture about environment mungkin masa assembly or seorang cikgu cakap about one minute two minutes about environment buang sampah dalam tong sampah jangan membazir air or gunakan saya jangan ni for me i i try to avoid the word jangan and knows and jangan 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 you know try to give them option throw rubbish into the rubbish bin throw rubbish into the appropriate place you know kalau jangan ni budak-budak jadi negatif selalu so lagi I'm, kau I'm, cakap jangan lagi dia buat eh lagi dia buat oh we want to break the law you know law ambil to be broken you know so so dia jadi rebellious so buang sampah lontong sampah benda-benda macam tu kan tak payah nak nak be too long tak payah cerita oh kita mesti jaga hutan kita jangan buat tak payah benda-benda simple dulu easy so, 
sorry, Amle. Thank you so much for that. I, I really feel like the experience comes from somewhere relatable. And I'm so sorry to do this, but we have to wrap up soon. Yeah. And uh, no, do you have any closing sure. remarks? <laughs> <laughs> Almost midnight already. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you like thank you so much talk, for it, will be it'll, it'll be never ending. You you imagine if we do this in Mama restaurant, five hours, eh? Abis. Yeah, mm. tapi that one you can have your tetare and your coffee, so it's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, Amli and Fadli, thank you so much for tuning in and being our speakers for this week's episode. Thank uh, you. For our audience members, apologies if there's anything that we didn't address. Remember, follow us at our social media pages at Econites or www.econites.org.my. Uh, Amle and Fadli, thank you so much. Uh, I, I'm afraid I have to kick you out and say goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you so you. much, everyone. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Amle. Thank you, Fadli. Very much. We'll keep in touch. No worries. And hope your internet goes well. All right. Now that Amle and Fadli have left, I want to take this time to appreciate the amazing people who worked to make this episode happen. So please let me thank our team members. We have our co-directors, Farah Amina and Nabila Shohimi. We have our assistant directors, our interns, Shafiq Ashraf and Nurina Rosli. We have our graphic designer, Noho Nasuha Laili. And here they are on the screen coming on now. We hope that you've learned a thing or two about water from the previous hour and that your thirst for knowledge has been quenched. My name is Akil. I want to say thank you for letting me moderate the session. And it was a pleasure to host you all. I hope you stay sustainable and look after yourselves. Thank you and good night. If you do have any feedback, just let us know. See you later.